Welcome to the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour with your host and founder, Alex Burr. Hello, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm your host, Alex Burr. My good friend, J.D. Hall, um, unfortunately, could not join us this week. I ask you to keep him in your thoughts and prayers. Um, I'm not going to disclose what happened. I'm keeping that close to the vest, but just please um, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. But in his place, we are joined for the first time in a good while by my good friend, Caleb Lynn. But Caleb, it would not be the power hour if I did not throw, throw you a curveball when you were, were expecting a fastball. So, Caleb, was Adam Wainwright robbed of the Cy Young last season? <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean that's that. Yeah, in terms of a stutter, that's a that's a stutter. That's a stone cold uh, one, right there, stone, baby. Yeah, I, I'll 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 go. No, he definitely was not robbed. Um, but glad to glad to be glad to be on the. Uh, Glad, glad to be on, and uh, obviously. Can you elaborate? Can you uh, elaborate on Wainwright not getting a Cy Young? Yes. I mean, there there is there is a whole lot to elaborate, uh, but uh, I I do want to give a uh, a shout out. I, I uh, yeah, obviously very happy to be on, but uh, you know, obviously a last minute thing to how I am on. Uh, you know, we'll we'll do the best I can to uh, be be filling in the uh, the shoes of uh, of JD this week. Definitely. We, we love for Caleb to be on. We don't love for this to be the circumstances. So um, appreciate you filling in for our good friend, JD, but we do have basketball to discuss. And this year, my new year's resolution with many other things is going to be to discuss more WNBA and women's basketball in general on the podcast. And I think one of the biggest stories of the day, Caleb, you know, it's a good thing we're recording this on Thursday the 29th, the um, coincidentally Tyrese Halliburton's sixth birthday um, is that Caitlin Clark has declared for the WNBA draft. Now you might be asking, Hey, isn't college basketball season still going? Yes. But you know, she is a senior and she had the option to return to Iowa because her freshman season would have been the COVID season. If I'm not mistaken, the original COVID season where they granted players an additional year of eligibility. So, Caleb, um, despite you being drowned out by the sounds of the cheering Indiana Fever fans or new Indiana Fever fans, shall we say, um, this is probably one of the biggest days in recent memory for the Indiana Fever in WNBA just in general, right? I mean, this is a huge day for pro women's basketball. Look. Look. I'm not saying... Look. Caitlin Clark declaring for the WNBA, you know, declaring making that that proclamation will be good for WNBA. It will, it will, and it obviously feels as if the Fever are going to take Caitlin Clark. But can we not just act like it's a guarantee? Can we just like not do that? Like, can we like let? the draft maybe play out i mean yeah she is the number one prospect and it's it's i would say it's very likely but it's like 
like, let's just get to the moment. It's like everybody has project. Everybody already thinks she's on the team. Not to mention, it doesn't help when your marketing team is literally already marketing 2024, 25 season tickets when they haven't even started their season this year yet. Like, can we, can we just like, please like, just, can we just let games be played? Can we just, can we just, can we just let that, can we let that be the focus? No, no, we can't. We can't, especially, um, I believe Caitlin Clark is about like, there's some dispute. I don't know if you've seen the dispute online about the, um, NCAA versus I believe I'm trying to get this right. A I A W all time scoring record. Um, Basically, the gist is that the AIAW was around before the NCAA was for women's basketball. And this mark that was set before, I believe it's 3,649 points. Excuse me. I don't remember the woman who scored the um, points name. But basically, Caitlin Clark is going to break that record tonight. So now she'll have established two milestones in one season, the NCAA record and now like the all-time women's basketball record. and. You're right, because now we have all of March Madness to look forward to as well. She yeah. took Iowa to the championship game last year, but for you can understand why people in Indiana <laughs> would be excited to watch probably one of the biggest phenomenons in all of basketball right now, Caleb. I, I look, I agree with that, and I, I mean, it is again, it is very much projected that she's going to go there, and that's good. Um. That is good. I I also hope though that it doesn't overshadow what they're it seems as they're currently trying to build there. Oh yeah. I mean it let's, be let's Aaliyah, not let's be Caitlin Clark in Boston. Boston. Yeah, I'm about to say, like, like I I I mean it's look, I'm not saying Kayla Clark's like a big basketball player, but I mean people haven't like you should have had hope by the end of the season last year with the way that she played. I mean, she and and look at what she's doing in the community. Total stand up, yeah. total stand up person in the sense of uh, you know helping out at the uh, the girls' finals, uh, uh, girls' high school yeah. basketball finals. I believe was at multiple games. Uh, I, I mean, she she's obviously wanting to be involved in the community, and I I I know she probably isn't looking. I know she probably isn't looking at it that way, um, and looks at it as excitement of what they could be building. But I mean it. it she needs to get a lot more respect. She needs to get a lot more respect when we're talking about the long term of Indiana Fever. Kayla Clark's a great player, but you got one of the best bigs in the WNBA already. So, you know. Yeah, she came, Aaliyah Boston came in last year and blew expectations out of the water. I think everyone oh. knew she was going to be. Everyone knew Aaliyah Boston was going to be good, right? If you paid attention to South Carolina basketball at all, um, her stats weren't like the best at South Carolina, but that's because South Carolina is consistently one of the best programs in the country. I mean, for a while it was just UConn, but now South Carolina, I think, Caleb, you can make a case for the past 10 years. South Carolina's probably been the best program in women's basketball. Absolutely. But I think they probably has been. I don't think there's a case. I think it is absolutely. I would. I would agree. I, I'd have a tough time pushing back. I mean, Boston's 22. She averaged 15 and nine in her rookie season. That's insane. On 58 percent <laughs> from the floor. Like, I mean, look, I get it. We want. We want to appreciate Clark. I'm not saying 
there's a problem with that. I'm just saying, I think you look at what Boston's doing and you know, it's a good duo. It's a duo in my opinion, that's going to lead the fever um, in, in the future. And I know they also made some free agency moves. I'm going to pull up the, um, yes, they have. They, I'm going to find out Samuelson. That's right. So that's a big move too. Massive. (laughs) Massive. I think they're going to go from last place to fighting for the playoffs, which is going to be an insane turnaround. Absolutely. And because for the last, I mean, Caleb, for the last however many years, the Fever have been a joke. Like an actual, I know. Not very respected. Not very respected. Not very respected. Not very respected. I want to be a little generous. (laughs) You're being nicer than I am. Yes, I am. And that's normally not the case. I know. I know number one picks and I'm not talking about like number one overall picks. I know a lot of first round picks in that league get cut. Right. So I'm not singling them out in that regard, but they have cut an inordinate amount of first round picks. It's not just like, Oh, haha, we missed on one. No, they've missed on quite a few. A lot. They've missed on a lot. And it's kind of set them back in a huge way. Cause for a while with Tamika catchings, they were, Oh. A premier, a premier team in the WNBA. Yeah, absolutely. And, and absolutely. now we can get back to that. Indiana, I, I'll be curious to see this again. We'll, we'll, we'll use your supposition if they draft Caitlin Clark. I would be curious to see if their tickets maybe go for more than Pacers tickets because you've wow. seen some of these lines to get in. Like you saw the line at IU. We both know where that was, like where that li- yeah. where that picture was taken from. Yeah. That is a long line. Yeah, it is. We've seen like the sellouts at Ohio State at Northwestern. Right. They sold out at freaking Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't she, think she's a star. She's unequivocally a star. Um, they the core that they built uh, is is nothing to take lightly. You know, with her, um, Lexi Hall, Kelsey Mitchell, uh, yeah, you know, Erica Wheeler, um, Melissa Smith, uh, a player that uh, in the Fever drafted on the 2022 draft, uh, number two pick, Alex averaged 15 and nine. Um, I mean, I, I'm not saying again. I'm not saying Clint Kayla Clark isn't a great player and might elevate this team, but I'm also not going to sit here and act like this team. Sucks. And like you said, they just got Katie Lou Samuelson, who is who's entering into the prime of her career. I mean, she she's entering the prime of her career. She's only been in the league for four years. Um, and in a move that I think is I mean, you you touched on it and you're right, was a huge franchise move for that team. Um, I mean, and and even just reading an article right now, looking at it right now, uh, from the Fever's website, it's like they made an all out effort recruit. They blew her out, did the whole line yards. I mean, they they went at her like she was a true level star. And when she's on, she absolutely is in that conversation. So yeah. I like it. I, I thought it was a I think they're heading in the right spot. Yeah, this team is gonna be fun for the first time. This is again last couple of years for sure. Last couple of years. I went to college there. I lived in Indianapolis for a while. 
the fever never inspired me to go to a game. Sure. And I think even if like Clark didn't declare for the draft, I think they were heading in a direction, right? Where you yes. had, I think Beckers is going back to UConn, right? I think that was the, the word on the street. I th- believe she is going yeah. back to UConn. Yes. But let's just say they took Beckers instead of Clark, right? This would still be a team you'd want to go see in person. Yeah. This would it'd still be a much more entertaining product than it had been in 2020 or 2021. So the fact that they care about improving their team, you know, they're like putting in the effort and, you know, it's like to make a cross sport comparison. I don't think you're going to see this one coming. It's kind of like what the Blackhawks did this last offseason with Connor Bedard. And I know the Blackhawks aren't good, but you know how the Blackhawks just kind of knew they were getting Bedard and they signed, was it Taylor Hall? Like, yeah, a team at the Blackhawks level normally doesn't sign a guy like that, but they knew they were getting a generational prospect, right? They knew, oh, hey, you know, we're getting one of the best guys or a guy who has the potential to be one of the best guys. And so they went out and signed, you know, a guy like that. And I think that's kind of what the fever projected. And who knows? Maybe they'll end up being right. Obviously, you're right, too. We still have to finish the college basketball season. Um, and the the women's March Madness is going to be a blast. Absolutely. It don't high sleep le- on high it. level. High, no, high level television. Lot People of are going to sleep basketball. on it. People they are going to, They should not. Not this so, year. Not, not this year. If last year's taught you anything, do not sleep on it. Yeah, seriously. Entertaining basketball. The, the movement in the movement in women's basketball. The the unselfishness in women's basketball, yeah. Alex, has always been really good. And now that you have really legitimate talent, it, it's a good watch. I know. Now that it's not all on UConn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, let's go ahead and let's talk. Let's go ahead and talk the NBA. Um, let's, we don't have to spend long on this, but our guy, Trey Young, maybe that's just my guy, but Trey Young. <laughs> um got injured is going to miss the next four weeks the hawks kind of middling caleb um this is this really sucks not gonna lie to you this really sucks because they were in the way the east is they still might make the play in they're 26 and 32 the nets who i went off on last week are 22 and 36 so what do you make of the Hawks without Trey Young? And do you think they're, they'll hold on to that 10 seed because everyone else beneath them is so bad? Lord knows they should. I mean, they've been a disappointment this season. Six games under 500. Certainly not on the bingo card if I was Landry Fields constructing this roster. Uh, I mean, they, they uh, I mean, look, they, they got enough talent to make the plan. Un- undoubtedly. Um, bare minimum. That's what they should be expecting down there in Atlanta. I mean, Trey being hurt, obviously that does stink, right? But I mean, again, this team has high level talent. That's that's not the problem here. It's consistent. It's a it's a, it's consistent winning day after day type of energy that this Hawks team has been lacking this season. Lacking, frankly, the last couple seasons. And if if they can't. You know, they can't get that going, sure. But I I mean, Alex, you, you talked about it. I mean, just an, an atrocious bottom five of the East. I mean, just you look at you look at Detroit, you look at Washington, 
you know, you look at Charlotte. I mean, none of those teams are going to make a push. So, I mean, I I got to think that a play-in is probably where they are. Probably at the ten, maybe at the nine. But I I, I mean, they're going to Cancun after the play-in. I don't think they're making the playoffs. No, I I joked on the last power hour that maybe that they take the eight seed, but I mean, it's on, not Alex. it's not looking pretty. Um, they've struggled with injuries all season anyway, and they were at one point one of the most talented teams out east. And I don't think you can make that contention anymore. That contention, I think, was dead after they made the conference finals, in my opinion. And now. I don't like you have Trey, you have DeJounte and DeJounte clearly doesn't want to be there. I think he'd be much happier if he wasn't there. So what do you have left? You have Jalen Johnson, who's really talented. You really have Sadiq talented. Bay. You have Sadiq Bay, who's a good shooter, but what else does he really bring you? You know, like, wow. is he just kind of like three and nothing else? But isn't he, but it's it, a price tag thing too with him. No. Yeah. He's going to be a restricted free agent. That's a good point. He, this is his um, year four. So that's another great point by you. Um, Boyan, Bog- or not Boyan, Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's still good, but I don't know if I'd want him higher than the eighth man at this point. He's not what he was his first year in Atlanta. So well, I don't know, Alex. I mean, he's one of my favorite basketball players in the league. Yeah. I mean, he's a starting caliber guard. Famously. Um, okay. Oh, let me ask you this. Has a Kongwu worked the way you thought he would in the league? Like, what have you made of the whole a Kongwu thing? Um, I, I like him, but I, I do think he's overvalued and I don't really know why. Another issue free agent, he by gets, the way. I mean, Alex, he, he's talked about like a king in the chest, a king in the treasure chest, you know, uh, a top asset. I mean, are you comfortable saying he's going to make an all-star game? No, heavens no. I don't think he will. So what is he? Just a center that gets you two to three years before you have to go get another one? Here's, I mean, it's just, we. I mean, tell I, me I it. it sounds bad, but I just don't. There's a lot of guys in that age range that I just, I think are just more established as players. Like, it's not that I don't think a Congo stinks. It's just, Look at is, the he this is he this era's Tristan Thompson that has a jump shot? Now, my starting you, level guy, is that what you're saying? But Tristan Thompson was, I think, a little better than a starter, right? But not too much. I mean, Tristan Thompson could hang on a finals floor. And I think Okongu probably could. I agree. But, but you're also not going to like... During the Cavs' heyday, I think Tristan Thompson is probably... A skosh overpaid, not like completely overpaid, yeah, but yeah, like I know what you mean. Yep, I think it was kind of absurd that he and Draymond were making similar money. <laughs> it, but tr- what Tristan was giving to the Cavs was not quite as equal to what Draymond was giving to the Warriors, but like maybe three steps below. Yeah. If I could go back and do it, obviously I'm not trying to take money out of anyone's pockets. I'd have given him like four for forty eight. Right. Sure. Something along those lines. Yeah. And I think whatever the modern equivalent of four for 48 is. Or what I guess five for 60 because five Tristan got 
Yeah, Tristan well, got I, five years. Like I, I would be comfortable, Alex, going four for sixty. Yeah, on a Congo. I, I personally believe, um, he'll get eighteen million per. I, I think he could be four for seventy-two. I think the market will give him four for seventy-two. Someone, someone will give him four for seventy-two. He's, he's twenty-three, and you, the, the case is just right in front of you. It's like, well, he's such a good basketball player, but he just keeps, he's on the bench all the time. What if, what if you give him a, a role with some consistency, you, you let him start because he doesn't start there and uh, we get him in our system and look at what he can do. I mean, the, the argument, I mean, the argument is really right. I mean, it really is. It's right there. It's slapping right in front of the face. Um, you know, I mean, you and I've talked about this before. Like if Chicago's like, oh, let's sell, let's trade for Vucevic, a Kongwu restricted 18, 18 million, four years, future center, boom. You know, I, I just feel like that's a team that's going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here's here's a question. Is a Kongwu better than Mitchell Robinson? Because that's what Mitchell Robinson's making. Is four for 60. And I'll, I'll just tell you this. You know my feelings on this. I don't. I know Mitchell Robinson gets hurt all the time. I don't care. I'd still rather have Mitchell Robinson than a Kongwu. Like, I think I would. But if you've told me that they were getting paid similar money, I'm not. It's I, not like how I felt about. Not like how I felt about Tristan Thompson and Draymond Green. That's that's fair. That's fair. But like, I can hear the discussion. I think the more important factor with Atlanta is is just like they're kind of in no man's land. Yeah. Like Clint Capella turning 30 and that guy turning 30 is going to be scary too, because he's not as bouncy as he was when he first got to Atlanta. He's not as bouncy as he was two years ago. No, I mean, forget about Houston, obviously, but he, Caleb, I don't know where he fits in the NBA ecosystem right now, because if that guy doesn't have hops, what does he give you? You know, and they bought out um, Patty Mills today. By the way, I'll maybe discuss all the buyout guys next week. There's a ton of buyouts this week. I don't feel, really feel like talking about all of them this week, especially when none of them have teams yet. Shout out Moose. Um, I, I just feel like Caleb, this team somehow yet again just doesn't have a direction. Always without fail, they don't have a direction. And mm-hmm. if I could just close with this. And then we'll move on to um, Charlotte hiring a new GM. It always gets blamed on Trey. But how is it your star player's fault that your team is listless, that your team doesn't have a direction, that your team trades for sneak bait, that your team banks on Garrison Matthews being a rotation player, that your team, you know, you know, a lot of people hated the Bay deal at the time, Alex. No, but five second round picks for Sadiq Bay, Caleb, is a little absurd. It is absurd. I agree with that. <laughs> it's it's a little absurd. Yeah. I mean, I understand why you didn't like the Gallinari and Bogdanovich deals. He was good enough, I think, to justify it. But why didn't you keep adding more veterans? Why do you keep bringing in young guys? And why do you keep you either pick one or pick the other? The Hawks young guys aren't good enough to justify this. They're just not. And neither are the veterans. It's like well, they're run like a 2K team. 
right? They're run yeah. how I like to run two. That's gates. a great way to put it. You got you got star talent, right? You know, and you want to get star talent. All these guys, you get them all together, and they're they're you know you're thinking you're getting them in their prime or they're younger players, and then like you said. I get Jalen Johnson on a steal. I'm drafting Kobe Bufkin. I'm drafting all these pieces and all I'm doing is I'm able to win now. But at the same time, I know that all these guys are only going to get better. And when you live in a world like that in basketball, it is very video game centric. Yeah. It feels easy. It feels easy, but it is, it's just not the case. And, and I, I, I think this Atlanta team, you know, could certainly, have some questions in the off season about the ways they're going to build that roster and ways they're going to identify who they are as a team. And just have to see as they, uh, as we get to that point. That's, that's a good way to put it again. Uh, Cause I want to have the last word here. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I think you would agree with this. There's 30 teams in the league. There's not 30 guys good enough to be their best players. Trey's a great player, but he's not on the level of like a Tatum, a Giannis, a Jokic. That's sure. fine. Sure. But when that's your best player, if you're trying to be a serious franchise, you need to have a couple of guys around Trey's level. And I could have told you DeJounte Murray wasn't at Trey's level. If I would have known the infrastructure around those two would have crumbled like this, I would not have believed in them the way I did. I just wouldn't have. I would have been like, oh, okay. I would have seen this coming. You know, I believed in that trade. Yeah, I'm about to say, I, I, I want to push back I'm, a little bit just because I think I, Murray was good. He was Murray a good was player good going San, into that deal. He was, a good, he was good in San Antonio, but I think the problem is, Caleb, is like, yes, you have these two good guards, but Jalen Johnson has gotten hurt this season. He, he's played well when he's been healthy, but he's also 21, 22. Or sorry, he's 23. Um, he's young, right? Or do you want to rely on a young wing in that situation? I know I don't. What's the situation at center? Both of those guys probably aren't top 75 players. And you probably won't need them to play like top 75 players. In this situation, I think you need to... I think the Knicks are kind of like the perfect example of how to build around a guy as good as Trey Young. Right? You. To, to bring it back to the Knicks, yeah. right? You have Brunson, Julius Randle, OG, um, DiVincenzo, and Hart. And those guys are good enough to supplement to make up for the fact that Brunson probably isn't one of those top-tier guys, but he's in that next level. And the Hawks just aren't built that way. And I know it's hard to build that way, especially because Brunson took a lighter contract than Trey Young is on. But there has to be a way to do it. Like, it, it can't, if the Knicks can do it, if one of the worst run franchises of the last of this century can do it, I I think anyone can do it, Caleb. And that's that leads me to another one of the worst run franchises of this of this century. The Charlotte Hornets. They have hired a new general manager. Um, I'm gonna pull up the tweet real quick from Woj because I don't have his name off top. It is Jeff Peterson. Now, you know, I ripped this franchise back and forth last week, Caleb. Yeah, back and did. forth the shreds. Yeah, you did. But I'll, I'll ask you how you feel about this in a second. I'm willing to grant this move if Jeff Peterson 
is willing to build this team how it was built from like 14, 15 to before Katie, before Katie and Kyrie. If he's willing to build the Charlotte team that way, like with, you know, okay, smart around the edges, you know, we're going to try to get cute and get like Rodion's Curricks, right? Or we're going to spy low on D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie. And we're going to swoop into three team trades and get Karis LeVert. Then I'm in. If he's going to go for like everything they've done since then, I'm out. Now, Caleb, with that out of the way, how do you feel? I mean, certainly anything feels better than cup check. I mean, look at his draft history. I mean, you're looking at, you're looking at a bunch of guys that certainly haven't uh, been able to contribute at too high of a level uh, for this franchise. And, you know, I think it's just a matter of you got to get somebody who's just a man in the room, you know, somebody that uh, will take control of the organization, will take control of leadership. Uh, and that, that that's really where it starts. I, you never really felt like this team had a culture under cup check. And if the front office can kind of help bring that in, rein that in, uh, get the players to buy into the system that they're hoping to achieve. Uh, that's the start. That that's where this team needs to focus. I mean, I mean, Alex, I think it's bigger than basketball uh, with this Hornets team right now, just because I, I think you've got to figure out all the other stuff before you get to the games. And once you figure out the, you know, the way you want to go, the way you want to build, how you want to play, because the the Hornets, when you watch them, which I've tried very hard to not watch them. Uh, for a, like a good stretch of time, but when they when they are on and I've seen them on, you you just simply do not know what they're trying to execute. You don't know what they're trying to envision. You don't know the goal that this team wants to have when they play on the court every night. And I think that can get fixed by a front office, which in turn will probably get fixed with coaching, which in turn gets fixed with what I think needs to be heavy roster turnover. I think that's, that's fair. It's also a bad sign that um, Trey man, Grant Williams, Seth Curry, Davis Bertans and Vasily Micic. I believe that's how you say that all came in after the deadline <laughs> and are all playing extremely well for this Hornets team. I think that's not good. I think that says not good. I don't know how to think team. about that. I well, first of all, I think that says that Trey Mann was obviously is obviously an NBA rotation player and just couldn't get burned in Oklahoma Back, City. I think that's yeah. what that says. Yeah. I think the for the rest of those guys, Grant Williams too. I think Grant Williams is an NBA rotation player and having a pro on this team um helps on this team. Now, the rest of those guys, okay. Micic, we've been I've been hearing about this guy for years because I think he won some kind of Euroleague MVP. Okay. Um, so I don't think he's a scrub necessarily, but I don't know how well his game would translate. Curry hasn't really gotten off the pine in the last two years. Just hasn't. Nope. Um, Bertans. I don't I think it's safe to say neither of us are particularly high on Bertans. Um I, I think that's generous. And yet he is shooting 46% from three in 11.6 minutes a game in five games. He has played 
He has played. He would not have sniffed the floor in Oklahoma City, and he is playing for this team. So you bring in five guys, and they have all seen significant court time. I think that's a terrible, like you said, terrible endorsement for Kupchak. Um, New ownership in Charlotte, too. I think that's worth pointing out. Um, Michael Jordan sold the team, and now it's Gabe Plotkin. And so they're probably changing up the ownership style. I'll be really curious to see how this all goes. Because it's not like they stockpiled on draft picks. I I think man's a keeper. You know, I like Trey man, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's just Alex. It's it's just. I mean, you you kind of you kind of touched on it. I mean, they just have to figure out which of these guys are NBA players. Like honestly, truthfully, I'm not. I'm not trying to take a dig. Which of these guys, in the nine in night out basis, can we depend upon to be NBA level players? You, I mean, you and I, you and I said this. Um, we're we're in on the following: Lamelo, Brandon Miller, and Mark Williams. I think you and I are together on that being the core. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if I consider Miles Bridges a part of the core. That's going to be their most fascinating. You could, you could make an argument. You could make an argument that he could come back and I would understand it. He's a solid basketball player. You could also make another argument that they may not want to bring him back for, I mean, plenty of reasons Uh, off the court or maybe there, maybe there's been signs on the court this year. I don't know. We did. I mean, point blank. They have to make a decision. Do you have Martin who they play a lot? Um, but then again, I don't know where he stands in terms of the rotation. Are you looking to get younger? If you're not looking to get younger, are you looking to get assets for a player like that? Nick Richards floated around a lot. Let me tell you something right now. I would float Nick Richards out in trade talks. I would get my young assets. I would do that. I would do that to backup five. You can get backup five. Backup fives are not the end of the world. I would do that. Right. But then it's this Bryce McGowan's Nick Smith Jr. JT Thor minutes <laughs> that you just, I mean, I'll just be honest. Alex, I have no idea how to process them. Are they, or are they not NBA players is what they try to answer. And I just, I can't tell. I, I just can't tell. And clearly the thunder, clearly the Hornets can't tell because like you said, they bring in all these new guys. They immediately are in the rotation. So I think they just have to show again, and they can show this. This new general manager can show this. Who do I value? Yeah. Who who do well, I like? Who do I think is, you know, too raw or, you know, maybe not where I want him to be over time? You know, they almost have to see. And I, I think it's fitting that they cut book night. Um, that's one of that's a that's a talk about a bad pick. That's 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 one of the worst picks in a long time, Alex. Well, that 2021 draft for them, they came away with James Booknight and Kai Jones. And the amount of guys they could have had instead of those two is astonishing. Off the top of my head, they could have taken Moses Moody, um, Shangoon, let's see who else, um, Duarte and Corey Kispert, all Four of those guys would have been significantly better choices. Even with how old Corey Kispert is, I think you would rather have Corey, Corey Kispert, Kispert. I love as Kispert. A, as yeah, 
he's a good player. Yeah. You would rather have yeah. Corey Kispert as a Charlotte Hornet than you would have James Booknight. I mean, hell, he's Corey Kispert's probably only two years older than Booknight. So isn't the age difference probably isn't it's probably negligible, honestly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so who's off the ball? Kispert moves off the ball. Yeah, you'd rather like honestly next to LaMelo, that probably would have been a perfect pick. Yeah, I'd be great. I know they, they say not to draft for fit, but <laughs> a six eight wing. A six eight wing. Yeah. Yeah. At and some point that a, just right. Who's not a bad defender? I've oh man. They right. they really royally messed that one up. Them and the Spurs. That's low key the one that set the Spurs back and got them women Yama. And we'll talk about the Spurs here in a minute. That one was they drafted Josh Primo in that one. They royally screwed that one up. Basically, everyone after Kuminga and before, and Davion Mitchell's a fine pick, fine. but everyone between Kuminga and Duarte <laughs> was a disastrous pick. And even the Pacers traded Duarte after two years, not through any yeah. fault of his own, of course, but just, yeah. yeah. Um, that draft is going to be a fun one to look at in like 10 years and be like, what happened here? Right. Um, the Hornets, I'm really intrigued to see their their vision here. And they signed Poku. I'm, I'm curious to see if that's another OKC guy that breaks into the rotation. Because <laughs> that'll be like basically the OKC Hornets at that point. Not basically. You'll have four former OKC players if Maladon's still playing. I don't think he's actually playing for them at this point. Um, but you'll have a ton of former OKC players on this team. So, Caleb... Let's let's get into our games of the week. We'll we'll save your jazz for later because you know we do need a jazz check in at some point. It's been a while. Um, do you want to start with Cavs Mavs or do you want to start with Lakers Spurs? Let's just go through Lakers Spurs. Let's just rip the band-aid off. Let's just rip the band-aid off. So okay. This game is only notable. <laughs> this game was from Friday, February 23rd. The Lakers won 123-118 over the Spurs. Um, now, you might be thinking, why are you doing a Spurs game? Well, it's because Victor Wembanyama had his first career 5x5. Five five. And we need, why are you saying his first? Because Caleb knows. This will probably be his first of many. Um, 27 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, 5 steals, 5 blocks. I mean... LeBron also was killer in this game. 30 points, 9 assists, yeah, 7 was. rebounds. Like, they couldn't stop him. They couldn't stop AD. 28 points, 13 rebounds. But the, the real story of this game, Caleb, I mean, the 5x5. Five five. We've been on a 5x5 five five since 2017, I don't think. And the fact that he did it, he scored like 16 or 17 points. He scored 16 points in the first quarter. So most of his damage that way came in the first quarter. And he had four steals in the first quarter. Four, four of his five steals in the first quarter. And it feels like we're watching. Let me just ask you this. Does it even feel real watching him play basketball? I mean, <laughs> not really. I mean, because he's he's gonna get these five by fives so often, and it's kind of just it feels inexplicable how you can impact the game like that. You know, like maybe in your rookie level on your Xbox, but not at the professional highest level possible. Are you just 
casually getting 27, 10, 8, 5, and 5. I mean, it's just not a thing. Um, and, and what he's doing is just is very impressive. It's really strong. Uh, what he's been giving them, I mean, look for crying out loud, in terms of plus minuses, the only other, every other guy on this team except Julian Champagny ended up with uh, plus numbers. I, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. Uh, there were more players than than them, but point being, you know, in the loss, I mean, Wibanyama was still considered on the court as, you know, a guy that was making an impact when he was on it, you know, in, in a loss that, uh, you know, they, they took to the Lakers against a team that's better than them, you know? So I, Victor's one of a kind, one of a kind. It's truly remarkable to watch because he was really bad in the first couple of weeks of the season. He was and awful. He was awful. But unlike Scoot, now Scoot hasn't been bad the last couple of weeks. He just hasn't really been good. But Wembin Yama has been the last few months one of probably the 15 best players in the NBA. I think that's safe to say. And <laughs> I think that him playing so well out of the gate, it should be terrifying for the rest of the NBA, especially because he was getting bullied inside Caleb. He does not have any core strength at all, <laughs> but when yeah, he I, gets, I think that's a thing still, but when he gets core strength and when he's able to stand his ground, cause you know, that's going to come at some point. Yeah. He's only 19 or 20. Right. When he, when he's able to fend for himself inside, that's just going to change the game for everybody, right? Like, it's just going to be like, okay, what are we going to be able to do to score on this guy inside? Because at this point, you know, you can still put your body into him, put your shoulder into him and get the reverse layup, right? Like, that's still going to be a way you can score in the basket area around Wembenyama. But there's not very many other ways to score in there. I mean, LeBron, just because he's such a talented scorer, was able to get some moonshots over him. But that's LeBron freaking James. He's the leading scorer in the history of the NBA. Like, of course, you'd hope he'd have a few tricks in his bag as a score over this guy. I mean, is he the most intimidating shot blocker of your lifetime? Dear God. Um, I mean, I, I, I will say, well, I don't know if I could go there after one season, but... uh I mean, he certainly has the. I mean, he certainly has the ability to get there. I mean, he's it, averaging three point three blocks a game as a rookie, Caleb. He, look, he, as I'm a not saying, rookie, I'm not saying he can't be, but I mean, this is where I just want to bump the brakes here. I mean, I got, I got to see, I just got to see this on a consistent basis before we start talking. That shot okay. in a lifetime, Alex. I I said most intimidating. I said most, most intimidating, intimidating. Most intimidating, sure. Most intimidating. There, there's a difference. Yep, there is. If the best would probably be, I don't even know who the best would be. Like even Howard, thinking about it, Howard or Gobert? Howard's, yeah, probably one of those two. And I still think, just naturally, maybe Jaron Jackson, but naturally, Wembenyama just like his wingspan just makes him different. You know, not even Rudy can do what Rudy has over Wembenyama right now, and why I think he's a better rim protector. Than shot blocker is well. First of all, Wemby or Rudy was came into the league stronger than Vic did, and I don't even think Rudy was that strong. I don't remember 
his early seasons too much, but as soon as Rudy started playing, the Jazz started winning. Clearly not the case with Webb and Yama, even with how good he is offensively. <laughs> so that, that right there is a difference, right? Like, But I think in terms of just pure shot blocking, his arms cover a distance that Rudy's just can't, just can't get. And it's just unfair watching him like reach across the lane. It feels like if he wanted to, he could reach from one free throw line or one block to the other and block a shot without jumping. I'm sure that's not true, but it feels that way. Yeah. And I don't know how you score on him inside. And the fluidity on offense is insane too, Caleb. Like I watched him hit a step back three against Anthony Davis. And it looked fluid. It was insane. It was like. I (laughs) go ahead. I'm sorry. I that stuff that stuff is that stuff is that that's the part that we have. That's the part that, you know, once that becomes more routine. Where my interests perk up because then it's you really have to have a question of how many players can you comfortably say can guard him. And at that point, yeah. that number would become very few if a consistent three point jump shot was a thing, especially off the dribble. I, I think that number is very few right now. They were the Lakers had to double team him like at the end of the first quarter, if you notice. Like they were having the yeah, get the I ball mean, out of his hands. They couldn't let him score. Let, let me ask you this big picture question about the Spurs, because I, I feel like everyone talks about the Lakers and there's not much to take away from the Lakers in the game about the Spurs. Other than right. I like the way I like the way Rui filled the lanes. I, I think that's, uh, yeah, Rui's been doing that a, a little bit recently for me, um, yeah. playing better off the ball, uh, finding his spots uh, and kind of trying to be what I think they are hoping that he was going to be, uh, you know, after last season's uh, playoff run. I, I think Rui Hachimura, I know that Darvin Ham's gotten slack for adjusting his rotations. Rui Hachimura always struck me as a guy who played better when he started, even in Washington. When he started, he played significantly better. Um, but Spurs, big picture question. Okay. How many guys on this team, like to kind of go back to the Hornets discussion, yeah. How many guys going forward on this team do you want to take with you into the future? I'll give you a couple of mine. I want to take Vassell. I know he was dreadful in this game. <laughs> he yeah, was not he very was. good. Yeah, he but was. I'll take him. I'll take Johnson. Will you? And I, yeah. I, okay. But I can't quit him. I can't quit him. And then I'll take. I think the big question here is how do you feel about Sohan? Like, I think that's really I, the big question. And I, I take Branham too. I really like Branham, but I don't know where he would fit in the picture is the big thing. So I would trade Kelvin. I would trade Kelvin Johnson as soon as the season's over. Okay. Um, I like him. I think he's a solid player. Uh, I just feel like uh, you got too many players clashing into what his normal set of skill sets can be. Um, Vassell, I probably agree with you. They paid him a lot of money, uh, not to mention he's shown a lot from the perimeter. I, I would keep him. Um, you're not a fan of him. 
you're not a fan of him and this is okay. But since he has started at point guard, I think Trey Jones has shown some promise and I would consider bringing him into my long-term pieces. Even if that naturally turns into him being a backup guard, I I think that's a solid investment. I don't necessarily hate that for them. And I, and I would be in on Sohan and Branham. Um, I think, I think I would try to look at keeping (laughs) the guy that's always been a wild card for me. uh, Alex has been uh, Blake Wesley. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, he's kind of just had some inconsistent playing time. We don't know exactly what we're getting. He might be a guy that if you give him some more minutes, maybe he eliminates, a, uh, maybe he maybe makes you second guess about Vassell at that point. If you think that Branham and Wesley could be nice two guard punches. I've never been able to get a feel on Wesley because I feel like he hasn't gotten real burn. No, no. And especially with how many guys they have playing his spot. I feel like he's kind of gotten the short end of that stick, especially like they drafted him before the allegation against Primo came out, which was kind of weird. <laughs> like I, ne- I didn't understand that. I was like, why are you drafting another two guard? Um, they have a ton of them, but I, I mean, I guess I understand it. And I think Sohan could be a guy. I don't want him shooting. I think he could be a guy, one of those guys on offense where if he operates strictly inside the arc, he could be like a real interesting kind of guy, especially with like what they were having him do early in the season. Right. Trying to like work on his, you know, passing game, kind of have him be like that, you know, Draymond roll on offense on offense, you know, kind of deal where he's like (laughs) rolling on on offense. I have to make that clear because anytime you use the D word, you know, people hear that and lose their minds. Um, But I think he's has a chance to be a good finisher. He has good energy with the rebounds. I just don't want him shooting like his three point form is ugly. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. Never, never really was in college. Uh, Just never really found a stroke. It's better than it was his rookie year. But. That's not, that's just being kind, you know, like I still don't want him shooting. I think his use will be playing inside the arc and kind of distributing that way. I see your point about Jones. I don't want, I don't know. I I think he's a good player. It it could be that Victor is just, he just makes a point guard. Yeah. Really good. But I I don't think it's a coincidence the way that the numbers are aligning when he's been doing heavy minutes. I think it's not a coincidence that once they took Sohan out and actually like had a point guard that they're just right. It's better because again, I like Sohan. It was flat ridiculous what they were asking him to do. Right. (laughs) I agree. At the beginning of the season. Yeah. And I think that pop is a legend, but he deserves like, I don't know if that was his idea or not. I mean, good for you for thinking outside of the box, I guess, but that should have been scrapped after like two games and they let it go on for like, what, a month? A month. Yeah. And it it was not good. So I think if I was them, I'd be targeting like, I mean, if they're trying to get Trey out of Atlanta, maybe that's the guy you go after. If they're trying to get, you know, like I'd be targeting a point guard, right? I think that's the guy. Because I think what you have is a bunch of 
pieces along like the guards and forwards, right? But you don't have, I think you need a star guard next to Wembenyama. And you have a bunch of complimentary wings. And maybe your package is Keldon Johnson plus your Atlanta picks. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And I think, let's close it with this. I'll, I'll ask you this and we'll, we'll move on to the next game because we don't need to spend too much more time on San Antonio. If you are the Spurs, are you trying to make the play in next year? Are you trying to be bad for one more year and get one more guy next to Lembanyama? I would say get yourself some wins. Get yourself in the playing conversation. Um, you know, win some games. You can't, you can't afford to not have uh, a solid season uh, next yeah. year with how good Victor seems to be or is projecting to be. He... There was one play where he, I think, threw the ball out of bounds. He made some kind of mistake, but he had his head in his hands and looked so insanely upset. And I don't think he could do this for another year. I don't. So I'm inclined to agree with you. Get him some help. Try to make the playoffs next year. But also, you and I have texted about this before. You don't want to do what the Pelicans did with Anthony Davis. You don't want to make that same mistake where you have Tyreek Evans um, and Eric Gordon. So, and Omar Ashik, right? Where you just blow your whole future trying to win that way. So, I think it'll be an interesting kind of proposition for them. But on to two teams who are successful this season, Caleb. <laughs> two teams who are actually good. Let's go ahead and talk about the February 27th thriller. I think it's safe to call that the thriller between the Dallas Mavericks and Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland. Um, We got Cavs 129, Mavericks 119. Game ended on a Max Struess 59-footer, second longest buzzer beater in NBA history, Caleb, behind only the Spurs' Devontae Graham. Now, he was not playing for the Spurs at the time. He was playing for the Charlotte Hornets. Really bringing, could really have a potential to bring it back a lot in this episode. Um, Luca had 45 in this game, which is ridiculous. It was 45, 14, and 9 for Luca. 30 points for Kyrie. Um, Mitchell had 31. Max Struess had 21 points, including seven threes, five in the fourth quarter. Um, Caleb, I feel like this game was the Max Struess game. He was kind of all over the freaking place. And I know Luca w- went crazy in this game too, but I feel like Struess, when he was on Luca, guarded Luca pretty well for the most part. I feel like overall, like his threes gave the Cavs energy. Am I crazy for saying Struess kind of won the Cavs this game? Not, I mean, obviously, no. in a literal sense, he won them the yeah, game. But no, but yes, both <laughs> both ways, he he had a great game, and um, and you know, in terms of a bit, he he was all over the place in this contest, and you know, obviously, the end of the shot is what he's going to get praised for. But yeah, he it feels like this Cleveland team has started to get better, particularly with two way basketball. Uh, this team just feels like they're trying to you know get better on the defensive side. Guys like Max Struess, who I think was just kind of an average defender in Miami, would get picked upon when he was at Miami. 
I don't necessarily think you can be like, oh, let's go after Max Struess. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a great recipe. It's it's uh, he stepped up to the plate on that. And uh, and let me tell you right now, Alex, I mean, you, you've you've slammed this Cleveland Cavalier team. Zach has slammed this Cleveland Cavalier team. Let me tell you something right now. I, I'm in on the Cavs. I am. I think it's time. I think it's time to respect them as what they are. They're the number two seed in the conference. This is not this is not the same type of team that we saw last season. Not even close. They're doing it with injuries. Balanced, you know, and balanced scoring, a clear, concrete rotation. We know who to expect. We know who to not expect. They've got more matchup versatility than they ever have. And this is the type of game to me that has just kind of, you know, look, the talent and the way this roster has been constructed is is amazing. And I really, really feel like, you know, as talent, they should get it done. Right. But the fear is what is Bickerstaff going to do when his season's on the line? What is, what is he going to be as a head coach? And, uh, but look, I was very impressed with what Struce did. And, and it kind of made me think a little bigger picture uh, with the Cavs. Definitely. And they don't win without Struce. I think they were down 10 at one point. And then Struce goes on a 12 0 run by himself. Dallas hit a three in there at one point, but it was made a 113-112 game by Struce's flurry of threes. Okay. So him going off was kind of the catalyst for this run. And it they needed it because Garland, Caleb, was dreadful in this game. Yeah, he like, was. He, he was, you know, I'm on Garland Island, but he could not buy a bucket to save his life. Two for ten. One for five from three. Now, he was active in the passing game as usual, which you, you expect from Darius Garland. Sure. But, I mean, if Garland's not making shots, I mean, it's it's good that Struce is making threes. But I, I feel like that should be a little bit of cause for concern that Garland still hasn't regained his form and he's been back for, what, a month or two? Like a month now, I'd say? I Are yeah. you concerned about Garland? I guess I should ask. Last year, I would have been. But I think the talent of this team is better than what it was. I think Struess is a better player than what he was in Miami, like objectively. Uh, I just think he's a better player. I think Karis LeVert has had a really quiet sixth man of the year discussion that nobody's wanting to bring up. Uh, I think that, you know, you look at the talent on this team, I think the scoring will come. Uh, I mean, obviously, yes, I'd like to see him get more than eight points on two of 10 shooting, but I, I think there's enough around this team from a scoring perspective where I, I don't think that's going to be a killer. It's mostly just, can he even, can he just stay respectable with his scoring so that he can do what he does best, which is table set and find guys in the best spots. I mean, that's what I think makes Darius Garland, Darius Garland. Not necessarily the fact he's a 25, 20 point a game score. Definitely. Well, let's switch it to the Mavs real quick because, I mean, they didn't deserve to lose this game. I mean, how many times do you lose on a 59 foot jumper? Um, I guess you could call it a runner. Who, who's the say the technical term for it? If Kyrie and Luca are giving you 75 points, Caleb, and you lose, are you, are you upset about that if you're Dallas? I mean, probably, but it's not a winning brand of basketball. 
I mean, it's not a winning brand of basketball. When two guys are basically doing everything for you, that's not a winning brand of basketball. You want to have some balance. This team ha- should have balance. You know, they have some shot creation. P.J. Washington had a nice game, sure. Uh, but Tim Hardaway Jr., I mean, two of five, that's really low for a guy like him. Somebody that likes to get the ball up. And, you know, people like to say that in a kind of you know negative way. I'm just saying the dude scores the ball pretty well. Four points off the bench in a game like this, it's not okay. And then you got a guy like Jaden Hardy, who I think is a, a bucket getter. Played five minutes in the game. Uh, but he couldn't get anything going from a scoring perspective. Um, I, I think what would concern me, you know, is, okay, you know, can we get some of these middle-ish tier shot creators to start making enough plays? And yeah. uh, in this game, they didn't do that. that. That'd be my only concern. I don't think it's a season-long concern. I think they will get that going. I'm pretty confident in that. But I just, in this game, it was the lack of Hardaway, the lack of Hardy's uh, punch that that really hurt them, in my opinion. Because what Luca would do a lot, and I, I'm sure you'll agree with this, Luca would drive the paint, and Cleveland's help would rise up to help with Luca because Luca was on fire. Yeah, and then there would be a big man wide open under the basket. Right, Lively was a frequent um, recipient of this. Gafford got a few bunnies off of that, um, but they combined for 13 points you know yeah. probably you want more from your spot than that like absolutely Kleba had one three and a free throw you know Kleba played center probably half the game I'd say PJ Washington a guy who I think you want to involve more in your offense only took eight shots um I think another thing about it too is that Luca was settling a lot I feel in this game, he was hitting a lot of his shots, so it didn't really feel like settling. But to me, it felt like, okay, hey, I have this mismatch. I'm going to go. I'm not going to try to go draw a foul or I'm not going to go hard to the rim. I'm going to settle for a step back three. I'm going to, you know, maybe not go as hard to the basket as I usually would. And I feel like only five free throw attempts for Luca. He needs to get that up, right? Like that's that's not acceptable, acceptable for acceptable for Luca. One free throw attempt for Kyrie, that's pretty on brand with how he tries to avoid contact at the rim. But I don't know. Twenty-nine should be looking for contact. Yeah. 29 and 24 in terms of field goal attempts for those two. And your team took 91. So that's about 60% of your team's field goal attempts came from two guys. That's not a good ratio. No. You probably need to, if it was half, I think you and I could both live with that. Yeah, I'd rather have Washington taking those shots. I'd rather have Hardaway taking those shots. You give Washington like four more of those shots. I think it's a different game. Like so he and Josh Green are the same amount of shot attempts. No, I like Josh Green, but that doesn't make sense to me. And Josh Green, I feel like it's all of his opportunities. The few times they run a game, right? Like if they run in transition, the ball's going to Josh Green because Josh Green is the only one who has any kind of energy on this team. Him or Derek Jones. Yes. That's literally it. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. This team doesn't get out in transition, which is fine because they're so meticulous in the half court and they have. And again, I want to reiterate, they lost this game on a fluke shot, but these are genuine concerns. Like these are genuine ways you could lose a game in a playoff series. And. 
Luca and Kyrie <laughs> can't just dominate the ball. Like that's just not going to be a way. That's proven to not work. We've seen it over and over again. We've seen it. LeBron has never dominated the ball. Kobe had to stop dominating the ball for him to win. Michael had to stop dominating the ball for him to win. Shaq, Duncan, just go through the list. They weren't ball hogs. That's the whole thing. And I'm not saying, you know, 17 of 29, that's a great percentage. But what about your teammate who needs, you know, who maybe wants a couple extra shots, it'll try harder on defense, right? And I think that that's kind of lost in this efficiency style offense. Like, yeah, these guys, these guys can get your, your points, but at what cost, you know? And I think at the end of the day, right. Again, I can't reiterate enough. (laughs) I know I keep saying this. They should have won this game, but just because you should have won. I don't think the Cavs are on the level of like, and you like the Cavs a lot. I like the Cavs. I'm I'm tur- turning around on the Cavs. They're not on Denver's level. They're, no, they're not, not on the Clippers level. They're not on. That's slow down. On the these, Clippers. these are, but these Caleb, these are the teams that the Mavericks are going to have to worry about. They're not on the Thunder's Fair. level. Fair. They're not on the Wolves level. Fair. Like, Fair I, I think that this is something that like, if you're, <laughs> And again, this is on in Cleveland too. So, you know, would have been an impressive road win. Sure. But I think I, I'm still concerned about Dallas. I, I want to give you a little bit of a chance for a victory lap, though. Because okay. Isaac Okoro appears to have oh. learned how to shoot. Oh, I'm definitely on an island with that. I have to take my win. <laughs> I have to take I have to take my win. I have to take my win on that. I Not mean, only has he learned how to shoot. Caleb, there was a play where Luca closed out hard on a three point where he caught the ball on the wing. He took a dribble in and he swished a 19 footer. I never thought I'd see the day that happened. He's shooting 40% from three on 2.8 attempts, which isn't a whole lot. He's definitely still going to get left open, but this is a huge development, Caleb. This is a massive, I, I, massive I, I, development. I agree. I, I agree. Like, I mean, people just want to sl- look last year, especially people were just like, man, they just want to slam. Him. He's just not that good. He's just not that good. You and I talked a little bit about it. It's like, okay, he's 23 years old. He was a top pick in the draft. People forget that. Forget the fact that he was, you know, at that point in his career at Auburn, he had five-star level guy. And I mean, fifth, fifth pick in the draft in 2020, like he had talent. He's a wing. And look, I, I yeah. He's part of why I'm in because I think Alex, if if you're going to choose to do that, I think this year more than last year, he's going to make you pay. He's going to make you pay. And I, I really believe uh, his two way, his two way effort uh, will be showcased in, in the playoffs. I, I think he'll, he'll make a difference. He'll, he'll flip a game. He'll do something like that for sure. Definitely. And because the only real flaw with him was his shooting. Yeah. If you add the shooting, this is a guy who has the potential to the potential is limitless. Honestly, yeah, it, is. it what is. He can do. I mean, big body defender. He's one of the tallest players out there at 
the two guard position. He lost now him. again. I I need to see it in the playoffs, Caleb. I get so I'm sh- I'm I get sure it. he will be abandoned. I'm sure he will be left on an island. Absolutely. But but I I want to see I want to see it in the playoffs, and I want to see him succeed because I don't I'm not I don't like rooting for guys to fail. I'm just calling it like I see it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if he if he takes that step forward and he can hit shots in the playoffs, in addition to them bringing in Struess, in addition to them bringing in Yang, you know, that'll be a huge extra element, and it'll probably win them a playoff series, or maybe two, or maybe two. Yep. So I'm with you. Note. (laughs) Oh, that sounds okay. Um, on that note, we are going to. And this wonderful podcast, Caleb, I would. Oh, wait, no, I almost forgot. We have to talk near Utah Jazz. Yeah, I almost yeah. forgot. Yeah. You thought you thought I forgot. No, I know you wouldn't have. <laughs> so, I'm aware. They're 27 and 32. Yeah. Um, They dumped Simone Fantacchio as well as Kelly Olenek and Ochai Ogjabi at the deadline. Um, weird moves. I don't understand why they made them. They were in prime position to fight for the play-in. But Caleb, you know, they've had a pretty successful season. I mean, better record than I think at this time last year. How overall, how are you feeling about this jazz season? I'm saying I don't understand why they are trying to go for it. I don't get it. Your team is really not that young. It's not. You, you, your, your core players are like, Laurie's a very good player. Let's not act like Laurie is like super young. I wouldn't describe Laurie Markinen as super young. Yeah. I mean, you have a couple of core players, but you refuse to get rid of Jordan Clarkson. Fine. Why? He's 30 years old. You're not trying to go for the playoffs. What does it do to have a player like that? Chris Dunn has probably revitalized his NBA career on my team. And what? We're just going to abandon ship there? You know, he's not necessarily the youngest dude ever. He'll be a long-term piece, but he's not. A, I mean, what what are we going for? What are we going for? I mean, I'm fine with selling off the pieces, but I mean, this has been a disaster. I thought this team was a top 10 team in the West. I totally thought that. I had some confidence when the first half season. I'm like, yes, play a tournament back, lock and load it. We're going to sing those sweet jazz tunes, but no absolute choke job in the second half of the season. And I don't know why. And I don't know why this draft is not going to help them. It's not, it's not going to help them. They're not going to get anything that they need in this draft. Nothing, nothing. They're going to get anything they need. I don't get it. They don't get it. Unless you have like big plans that I'm not aware of. I don't get it. I'm sad though. In my one year stint with Utah, I thought a playoff team was likely. It's confusing because Lowry Marketing is playing just as well as he did last year. Um, Colin Sexton has really stepped forward. Yep. He has really has really bolstered my belief in him. Um, gotten me back. I I have to I have to um recuse myself from what I said about Brunson or Sexton over Brunson, but everything else I still believe. Um, he sexed in this year in 24.7 minutes per game, 
is averaging 18 points per game, 48.5% from the field, 39.5% from three. I have never quit Colin Sexton. I never will. This man is a great, not great. He is a, (laughs) I can't say great. I can't go too overboard. It's not a bit, but you know, I love Sexton. Sexton is a NBA contributor. I don't know why he gets so disrespected. And Hardy said on a podcast, it's like, hey, you know, I had to remove all my uh, negative feelings about Sexton. From, like that I heard about him from other teams and turns out he's great. Yeah, I don't understand why this the man who went three on five and almost beat Minnesota in college. I don't understand why there's any questions about that man's character. Yeah, that's exactly I, right. I, that's I, exactly I never, right. I never, ever in my life have understood that. Never. I haven't either. Um, the Collins thing, whatever, that might not be working out the exact way they want it to, but he's probably doing exactly what he would have done in, if he had he stayed in Atlanta. It's good he's player. shooting better. Yeah. He's shooting better. Yeah. I mean, he's making way too much money, but that's whatever. Um, yeah. I don't, the big thing is why'd you trade Fontecchio? You know, I understand why you trade Olinick because I, I think they got a first round pick for Olinick, but. Mm. Mm. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. If it allows for other players. The Fontecchio thing confuses me because again, why aren't you going for the plan? These guys, I think it goes to supplement like the draft isn't that good point. You need these guys to compete in big games on the stretch, right? Especially because it's not like Houston is going to be that much better than you going down the stretch. You know, Houston is going to be probably as good or worse than you maybe down the stretch. So why not go for it? Why not try to make the plan? But I know Danny tried to do this when he was in Boston, but he also stumbled the second year of his rebuild because the first year, that was the year they got Marcus smart. The second year, that was the year they traded for Isaiah Thomas, and I think they made the seven seed that year. That season they made the seven seed, Caleb. So I don't understand. <laughs> Obviously, this West is a lot tougher than that East was, right? We're comparing apples and oranges in that sense. Yeah. But what I don't understand is the Warriors aren't perfect, right? The Lakers aren't perfect. No, they're not. You can, you can go for them. You can get. And why is Taylor Horton Tucker still in this roster? Why not go get like. There, there's players in the league that could help you go get a vet. I mean, oh, you had a vet, <laughs> but go get more vets. Go get players that could help you win. And I don't understand. I just don't understand the direction of this team right now. Maybe I will in the summertime, but this is probably of the not bad teams. This is probably the most confusing, not bad team in the league. Uh, yeah. It's been it's been really really difficult this last second half. I'll say that I'm just you know the young guys are getting minutes. I guess that's the that's a good sign. But have yeah, they been playing I, Hendricks I more they, at least? Yeah, I mean they've been they've been getting sense of ball in and they've been moving some pieces around to try to figure out what we want to do. Simonich has been getting some looks. We'll see. I mean they're 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 experimenting. I just feel like there was a missed opportunity there to really go get it and because uh, I'm with you. I don't think the Lakers and the Warriors are that much better than anybody else, but we'll see. Yeah, the last couple 
just the minutes from the last five or six games from Hendricks since the trade deadline. 17, 19, 16, 15, 25, 25, 28. So, yeah. This, but I also, but my, I guess the other argument for me is that I feel like you still, like Hendricks is the type of player where I feel like you could have played him. Yeah, and exactly. You and you can Exactly. Win. That's what I They did that. They did that with, I mean, obviously, again, apples and oranges. They played Tatum while they were trying to win. Just bring him off the freaking bench. You, you, yeah. It's I not mean, like it's, you I, needed to. You I'm were playing Fontecchio. I know. You were playing Fontecchio <laughs> 23 minutes a game. I mean, it's. I'm with you. You know how I feel. Yeah, I know. So, on that note, <laughs> I think that is a great place to close it. Make sure you listen to Linsanity this week. Caleb, what conferences are we talking about on Linsanity this week? Uh, we are talking uh, the ACC and mid majors. Mid majors, you talking about? Uh, you talking about Kareem Abdul Jabbar out of Indiana State, Robbie Avila, or Avila? Uh, excuse me. Uh, we we kind of went into we went into we went into a bunch of different conferences. We went into a bunch of different conferences. You'll have to check it out so, if you so want you didn't to. Talk, your... You didn't talk about the MVC. Got it. Um, no, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it. I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal everything out here. We're gonna. We're. Uh, we're gonna. We talked about the conferences. We touched on it. Hey, I didn't ask you. Like, hey, did you talk about um, Illinois State? You know, I'm, I'm just asking. You know, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. <laughs> they got mentioned. Uh, Indiana State got mentioned. I was gonna say. Okay. The best team in the state of Indiana right now. That's not Purdue. Um, let's see. Who else? We got back shoulder fade. Baseball episode. Was it solely baseball? Baseball, I know uh, NBA baseball there, right? and then Zach had some NBA plays. Of course. Zach the Degenerate always has some NBA. Um, got any got any good NBA bets? Any NBA futures bets just laying around in your head? Um right now, not anything. Uh I'm I, I nothing's been uh you know, two digging up on me. Um, you know, right now, just kind of looking at game by game stuff. Uh, tonight, uh, you know, listen to this on a Thursday night. Uh, I got the Knicks money line tonight uh, against uh, against Golden State and Atlanta over Brooklyn. Uh, those are my two plays here tonight. And how much time? How much time did you guys spend talking about the White Sox winning the Central? No word was mentioned of the Chicago White Sox. You're no. both fired. Okay. <laughs> I don't think we spoke their name one time. I don't think we spoke Shame. their name one time. Yeah. Luis Robert MVP. That's all I'm going to say. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, and then you got Circle City Cinema. Oscars picks from last week. Or Oscars, um, not Oscars picks. Oscars bets from last week. In a sense, you might think that's the same thing, but it's not because Zach will be unveiling his Oscars picks. The same time this podcast will be coming out. So make sure you check all that wonderful stuff out. Um, JD will hopefully be back next week. I'm not going to make any promises. Um, again, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. I want to thank everyone so much for listening. And Caleb, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, brother. <laughs>